John chapter 6. We are going to read verses 1 to 21. Um, I'm going to read it and then pray, and then God's going to move. So let's do that. John 6 says this, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii, denarii, who knows exactly, that's about $30,000 in case you want to know, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew himself again to the mountain by himself. A few more verses. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. That's God's word. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Like what we just read was from heaven. Like you spoke it, God. Your Holy Spirit breathed it and it's living and it's active and it's powerful. And so God, right now, we just say, come and speak. Do what no human can do. Like use your word that is powerful and change us, God. Please, please tonight, would we not leave having been changed by you, by an encounter with you in your presence, by hearing from you in your word. Jesus, I'm just so thankful that I don't have to be clever and I don't have to come up with my own like good ideas like we together get to look at your word and hear from you and so speak now God whatever you say we're listening it's in Jesus name amen okay so if I could sum up what these 21 verses are about it's about what do we do as human beings who are trying to follow Jesus when it just, it feels like, or literally, we don't have what it takes. Okay, what do we do when you don't have what it takes? Okay, I graduated college almost seven years ago, and I literally, to this day, have 
this reoccurring bad dream that I am in college and there's a test and I forgot and I didn't study and I have to take this test. It's literally like haunting me. It's been seven years. I don't know why, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I'm not ready for this test. Like that anxiety is deep in me. Like, what do you do when you just don't have what it takes? You didn't study. You're not ready. You're like, oh my goodness. Uh, I'm gonna get even more personal. Growing up, I loved baseball. My dad loved baseball. I went to my first Dodgers game when I was six months old. Um, I loved baseball. I loved playing baseball. I used to have like the squishy ball when I was like three and uh, I would hit it. And then my goal was to like get around the bases and my dad just tried to like hit me as hard as he could, just chucked it at my head. But it was squishy enough that if it hit me, I would like fall. I loved baseball. I played baseball with my dad my whole life. But here's the thing. I'll, I'll make a little bit of an excuse. I'm about a year younger than everyone else in my grade. And I'm not the biggest guy, okay? So I was like, all right. And, you know, I, I did like T-ball. I did Little League. I played for like 10 years. And then I was like, okay, high school baseball. I'm a freshman. I'm tiny. I was like 110 pounds. But I was like, whatever. I'm good at baseball. But I was so nervous for my tryout, okay? I was so nervous because it was like, oh, what is my dad going to think if I don't make the team? And, and so I remember like I practiced. I got extra practice going in. And then I, oh, to this day, I was at my tryouts, all the coaches there, you know, it's like the most like judgmental situation you could ever imagine. We're just watching you like, okay, let's see if you have what it takes. And I remember I was so nervous and I like missed pitch after pitch after pitch. And then you're just in your own like head. You're like, oh my gosh. And you're just like sweating. And I don't think I hit a single ball for my tryout. And I, of course, didn't make the team just, oh, Man, I didn't have what it takes. This is honestly the first time I've ever shared this in a sermon. So it's a little personal, but you can make fun of me. That's fine. But I'm getting it out there, getting out a wound. Uh, We all have our fear of failure. We all have this fear of like, what if I don't have what it takes? And it may be, yeah, it may be sports. It may be relational. It may be our job. It may be school. It may be whatever it may be. We have this like fear in us. Like, what if I don't have what it takes? We all tend to to put some of our worth in like what we can do, what we can produce. And so the idea of not being able to pull it off is like this deep-seated like fear in us. And here's, let's be even more honest. Who doesn't feel like they don't have what it takes, sometimes even, when you're like trying to follow Jesus? Like, Like who hasn't felt that? Like, man, I cannot get up and read my Bible. It's impossible. I cannot, I keep, I keep screwing up. I keep finding weakness and sin and doubt in me. Like who hasn't felt that? Man, I don't have what it takes to follow Jesus. I look around, I see other people following Jesus, serving Jesus, worshiping, raising their hands, blah, blah, blah. And like, I just, I feel like I don't have what they have. I don't have what it takes. And our story tonight is a display of human inadequacy. It's like human weakness is on display in these verses. And we're gonna see the disciples like trying to pull it off. They don't have what it takes. And we're gonna see Jesus like lead us together as his followers to a better way. So we're just gonna read through these verses again. Uh, So keep your Bible open, keep it ready. We're gonna first read the first two verses um, and we'll work through the whole thing. So verses one and two says this. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him. And I just want to pause right there. Who doesn't love a large crowd, right? Like even if you're an introvert, it's kind of fun to like be a part of something, right? I don't know if you've ever been to like 
like a huge university like D1 game and like the whole universe is there wearing the same clothes. It's like, man, this is fun being a part of this crowd. There's energy, there's excitement. And for sure in this moment, the disciples, the 12 guys are like, yes, Jesus, you're killing it. Like we're close to the guy who everyone's following. We're part of this thing. This is awesome. Like who wouldn't be bummed when you're, when you're like, yeah, I'm with him. And all these thousands of people are like following Jesus. A large crowd, it says, was following him. And listen, we tend to mistake success in Jesus' kingdom with bigness and popularity and energy and excitement and a crowd. Like we tend to think, the bigger the church service, like this is better, always better. The more we can get, the bigger crowd we're part of, like this is good. This is a good thing. And yet by the end of this chapter, in verse 60, um, the, Jesus starts teaching. And in verse 60, it says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And in verse 66, it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. By the end of this chapter, there's no more crowd and a lot less disciples, and it's like 12 guys. By the end of this chapter, Jesus was killing it. All these people are loving him. He's feeding them. It's awesome. And by the end of the chapter, everyone's gone. And even this, by the time when Jesus died and rose again, he had about 120 followers, which is like not much bigger than like this whole room. In the whole, whole planet, 120 Christians. You're like, Jesus, wait, but you had a crowd. What's going on? And I just want to briefly mention, as we look at these verses, it says there's a large crowd following Jesus. Don't seek to, to be with a crowd. Don't like associate, like, man, I'm with this crowd, so I'm with Jesus. Like, don't stick with the crowd. Like, stick with Jesus. Because there will be times when the crowd is gone, Jesus isn't popular, and there's like a few people, and you're like, really, like, what, what just happened right now? I have... So many friends, oh, it like honestly breaks my heart, who used to walk with Jesus and they don't. And if I base my relationship with Jesus on like this crowd thing, that's cool, it's fun, whatever. But like, don't put your hope there. Don't look around and be like, yeah, I'm good because I'm with this crowd. Stick with Jesus when there's nobody else around. Now verse three to six, we're gonna read that. Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand, which is like their biggest holiday. It's like Christmas. Like literally millions of people are in the area. Verse five, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread that these people may eat? And then verse six, actually, let's read that too. He knew what he would do, or he said this to test him, for him, he himself knew what he would do. So Jesus sees this crowd, they're following them. Jesus looks to Philip, one of his 12 guys, and says, hey, how are we gonna feed these people? And just imagine, this is like the bad dream. Imagine just getting put on the spot by Jesus, right? Just imagine that. Like imagine if it's almost like, if like in the middle of a sermon, I just like ask one of you like a theological question, like, hey, what do you think about this? It's like, oh my gosh. Imagine like Jesus putting you on the spot. Hey, what are we gonna do? And, and it's, this, is, this is honestly profound because it says in verse six, he was testing Philip. This is important. Jesus tests his followers. He tests Philip. He tests his disciples. We read in the New Testament, he will test you. Jesus in love will test you. 
And, and like, why God, why are you trying to put me on the spot like that? Why are you testing me? It honestly seems kind of lame. Like, I hate tests. Why are you testing me, Jesus? And here's the definition of a test. A test is to prove something by trial. Okay, that's what it is. Put something through a trial and prove its worth. Um, I, I love nature and I love sequoia trees. And the only way they reproduce is through a test of fire. That's the only way a sequoia tree will grow. The only way the seeds will open and the soil's ready to germinate is through a fire, okay? Life honestly works this way. Tests, they suck, but they are important for life and growth. Uh, my wife and I, I've, I've, we just planted an orange tree, a young orange tree. It's like this big. And I'm stoked on it, but like for three months, there were no oranges. There's not even a sign of an orange. And I'm like, what is wrong with this orange? There's not, not even hope for me to look forward to an orange. And then the fire came. And then when we came back to our house, all of the leaves were on the ground on my new little orange tree. Not a single leaf is left. And I'm like, what is wrong with this orange tree? It doesn't make oranges. And now it just, for some reason, I don't even understand. The fire didn't like get anywhere near our home. All the leaves are on the ground. Okay, about two weeks ago, I go out to my orange tree and there are literally hundreds of little white buds that will become flowers. And I lost my mind. I was like, there are hundreds of, of, I can't count on this little orange tree. And if you know how fruit trees work, where the flower comes, then the fruit comes out of that flower. So theoretically, my tiny little orange tree was just went through some weird thing with the fire. And now it's like going to produce hundreds of oranges. Now, Jesus tests us. He puts us through tests to see if our faith is genuine or not. At the end of this chapter, this whole crowd, almost nobody had genuine faith. One of the parables Jesus tells us, this parable of the soils. He says, listen, you know what it's like? My word goes out and everybody hears it. It's like a sermon right now. Everyone's hearing God's word. Some of the people, he said, it's like a bird comes and steals it away. Do you know what that's like? That's when like you hear the word of God. It says Satan takes it away. You don't believe. That's, that's some people. Some people, it starts to like do something and it starts to grow. And then, um, these thorns come and choke it out. He says, do you know what that's like? That's when people, they're like, yeah, this is cool, but other things of the world choke it out. You're like, yeah, but I like this. I like this too, and it gets choked out. And then he says, some people who hear God's word, it goes down and it says they receive it with joy. Like right now, you're like, oh, God's word is awesome. I love it. I'm gonna worship Jesus. I'm gonna leave. And then it says, the sun came and it was this testing on this thing. And it says, if it had, to see if it had roots that would hold on to weather like this heat. And it says, many of those who hear the word of God and love it, when a test comes, it withers. They don't have roots. It doesn't last. They don't last and they fall away. And then he says, and then there's some that it will receive and it will bear good fruit. So listen, you will be tested in your walk with Jesus. You simp- I mean, probably you've already been tested. It is our entire life, like a scorching heat and trial. Trials will come and it will test your walk with Jesus, your faith in Jesus. James, I, he's frustrating because he's like, hey guys, listen. He says in James chapter one, verse two, count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Like that's frustrating to like, who says that to someone when they're suffering? Hey, count it all joy. But he says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then a few verses later, he says, blessed is the man or woman who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. So listen, Jesus, tests, he's testing Philip right now. He's going to test you. Testing is how we grow in our relationship with Jesus. Testing, one of the, the metaphors the Bible uses is it's, your faith is more precious than gold. And do you know how gold is refined? Through a test, through fire. It's put, it's like melted down. And then all this impurities rise to the surface that the person who's refining it can scoop it out. Like that's life with Jesus. He's gonna allow like hard, fiery trials. And you're gonna be like, Jesus, why is this happening? And as this fire is coming, all of your impurities, all of your sins, all of your doubts, all of your like wounds will like come to the surface, right? Like who, who when you're hungry, doesn't like stuff starts coming out. You're like, oh, wow. You're like, no, no, I'm just hungry. No, like that's in you. You're just hunger is bringing it out, right? So your life will be tested and all of your impurities will come out. And I just wanna say this, embrace the test. Here's what we do when we're tested by God. We're like, hey, how can I just get out from underneath this fire as quick as possible? Just get me out of here. Let me change my circumstance. Let me change my job. Let me cancel that. Let me get rid of that person. Like, we're just like, this is uncomfortable. How can I like remove myself from this test? And Jesus says, listen, remain steadfast. Stay in that test and let your faith be purified. And now Philip is getting tested right now. And, and we're about to get into like, what is this particular test? Because it's profound because it's one that, it's one of the most important tests that we have as Jesus followers. So Jesus tests Philip. Now look at verse seven, what Philip does in this test. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. He's saying it's the equivalent of about $30,000. He's like, listen, Jesus, it would take $30,000 to give everyone like a tiny piece of bread. That's ridiculous. Who can pull that off? Also, the estimates are about 20,000 people were here. They counted men then because that was the culture. But they say probably, including women and children, about 20,000 people, which is about the size of the Staples Center. So imagine you're like with Jesus and you're like, okay, let's feed the Staples Center. And Philip is like, Jesus, this is ridiculous. We can't pay for this. Philip fails the test, right? Philip, listen, just saw Jesus turn water into like about 900 bottles worth of wine. Remember that miracle? He turned water into wine. He saw, Philip saw this. Philip has seen Jesus work impossible miracles. And listen, do you know what Philip should have said? Do you know what, Jesus? This is expensive. I don't know how this could happen, but you're God. You created the universe. I think you could probably figure it out. I don't know exactly how, but I'm sure you could do it, Jesus. But Philip just says, Jesus, this is a problem. We can't fix it. This is, I can't fix it, Jesus. Why are you testing me? Now listen, we're like Philip in life. When we are tested by Jesus, we go to our own resources and we try and solve the problem, right? Like Philip is like, listen, if I try to pull this off, this is what it would take. He's like sizing up the situation. He's like making calculations. He's like, okay, I think it would be about this. Maybe could we pull the resources? I don't think even if we pull the resources, Jesus, it's gonna even be like enough. And he's just thinking about himself and his resources. We do this when we are in a test. When we're tested by God, my eyes go directly to like my resources, my energy. How can I pull this off? And this is profound, you guys, 
in following Jesus. Here's the test. What do you do when you don't have what it takes? Like, what do you do? Where do you go when you're like overwhelmed? When you are in an overwhelming situation? What do you do when you're like facing temptation? Like sin is like right there in your grasp. What do you do? What do you, do you try to pull it off? You try to like be enough You try to like resist with your own strength, like pull yourself with your own bootstraps and get it done. Like that's what Philip does. And that's what we are so prone to do when we are overwhelmed and facing a test. Where do we go? On top of that, you guys, we're at this age where we're like growing up and trying to like remove ourselves from like our parents and like you know, we're like, we're like learning to like walk on our own, right? And so we're so prone to like, man, I got to prove myself. I got to provide for myself. I value like strength and power and position and talent and ability. I want people to see like I'm doing it. I'm okay. I have gifts. We want other people to like see how awesome we are. I think even I've noticed we're really prone to like use extra spiritual language to be like, look, Look at how I can talk about God and I'm walking with God and I want people to notice that I'm doing okay with God. And I think we're just like Philip and we're just trying to like pull it off. We're just trying to be like, look at me, I got this. I'm okay, I'm gonna be okay, I'm gonna be strong. I can figure this out, I can calculate and do it. Or maybe we're not like Philip and we're not that confident. We're like verse eight and nine when we see Andrew. Andrew has another reaction, look at verse eight and nine. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, hey, Jesus, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Andrew is saying, Jesus, all I have, all we have to offer are five loaves and two fish. Jesus, we can't do it. This is ridiculous, Jesus. Philip's like, okay, Jesus, $30,000, maybe everyone get a little bite. Andrew's like, this is ridiculous. We can't do this. And, and I think some of us are more like Andrew and we just get discouraged when we are facing a test that we can't pull off. But here's the problem with Andrew and Philip and us. We get fixated on people's resources and what people can do and what people can and cannot pull off. When I'm faced with temptation, when I'm faced with, when I'm overwhelmed, like what can I do or what can I do and I'm discouraged because I can't or I'm feeling pretty good because I'm pulling it off. I want people to notice me and my resources. And Jesus wants to teach his disciples and us something profound about following him in verses 10 to 13. This is what it says, verse 13, verse 10 to 13. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, funny random detail. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they had wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered up them and filled 12 baskets with the fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Okay, listen. When you are in a situation that's overwhelming, that you can't pull off, hear this, this test. Like Jesus is on, he's actually enough. Like Jesus was enough for this situation. He's, he's like honestly more than enough. Like he pulls this off and then some. Like, hey, watch this. By the way, here's just 12 baskets full left. 
These men were looking at man's resources and man's problems and how man could pull or could not pull it off. And they had God sitting next to them. And Jesus is like, you're stressed out, but like, I'm right here. I'm here. Like, I'm enough. I will provide more than enough. And listen, here's, this is so important. When we have a really small view of Jesus, we will always be overwhelmed by the tests and trials that come our way. Like when Jesus is just like a, someone helpful, he's not like God. Like you will always be overwhelmed and stressed out by the tests and trials that come your way. This philosopher, Thomas Carlyle, said, hey, people are like the gods they serve. People become like the gods that they serve. And if Jesus is just like helpful, or he's just, you know, makes me feel better when I come to church or whatever, if he's just a small little God, when you leave and face your tests, you will be stressed out. And when we instead remember who Jesus is, like he's God, he's actually literally the God of the universe. And what he can do and how he can provide Guys, you literally have an infinite, you have infinite power at your disposal because of who Jesus is for you. And you have literally an infinite source of peace for your soul in the middle of a trial and a test. And Paul even said, listen, I, everything else I have in life is rubbish because I have Jesus. You can literally take everything away. And that's actually even gain for me because I have Jesus with me. And here's, this is important. Do you remember where Jesus got the loaves and fish? Like a little boy. Jesus pulls off this miracle through the resources of a little kid. And Jesus is is saying here, listen, I don't need your strength. I don't need your money. I don't need your giftings. I don't need you to pull it off. I need you to be like a little kid. And simply give me what you have and, and nothing more. Because what you have isn't enough. This is 20,000 people. But when you give it to me, it's more than enough. Like, be like a little kid. Say, here, like, this is all I have, Jesus. But with Jesus, it's more than enough. Uh, I've, I've, Jesus is teaching me this lesson through ministry, because listen, I'm really, really prone, you guys, to think like Jesus needs me to be strong. And Jesus says, listen, it's not by might or by power, but it's by my spirit. Like I literally am like, okay, if, man, I got to pull this off tonight at Abide. And if I don't, then people are going to be bummed and God's going to be limited because my sermon wasn't this and worship wasn't this and it was a little too hot or that playlist was random. He's like, you need my spirit. Like, you don't, I need you to be like a little kid. Jesus doesn't need, like, my cleverness. And listen, you guys don't need my cleverness. Like, we need, like, God's word. Like, Jesus to speak. Not, like, human's wisdom. And if that's all we're looking for, like, this nice little helpful thing, like, no, like, we need God and his word. There's power in the gospel and the word of God, not me. Jesus simply says, hey, Bo, listen, be you. And just give me what you can. And like, watch what I can do. Watch what I can do through this little kid's lunch. We see that, you guys, all throughout the Bible. Are you valuing like your strength and your gifts and your hard work? Or or are we like, God, this is impossible. I cannot do this, but I have you on my side. Like, remember David? He's like a teenager, faced 
Goliath, right? Not because David was awesome, because David knew who God was. Like that is how we're to walk through life. Listen, when you are stressed and anxious, I, I know because we're broken in this fallen world, we, you, face stress and anxiety. Like, when, man, what am I going to do with my life, my plan, my job, my goals, my school, my relationships? How am I going to conquer this sin? If all you're doing is trying to pull it off and to be enough and to use your limited human resources, like, you're missing it, just like Philip and Andrew. Like, you have Jesus with you, the Spirit of God in you, the same one that rose Jesus from the dead. Like, you have the wisdom of God at your fingertips. Like, like why just look to, like, your good ideas and other people's good ideas? When you're facing temptation, listen, don't fight your sin with your own strength. Like, you need the Spirit of God in you. You need the Spirit of God. Your life plans, I love this one for us. Listen, in all love, you are a sheep. And sheeps aren't great at planning their life and figuring out where they're gonna go. But we have a good shepherd. And Jesus says, you're a sheep. But listen, stick with me and I will lead you in paths of righteousness. Don't you, listen, you're not gonna figure it out and you're gonna be stressed out if you're like, you've got your parents or your grandparents or whoever saying, hey, what are you gonna do? Where are you gonna go to school? Are you gonna go to grad school? Are you gonna get this job? Why are you doing this job? You could be doing this job. And it's like, man, I gotta prove myself. I gotta figure this out. What am I doing with my life? It's like, listen, you're a sheep. Stick with Jesus. He says, I will lead you. Like Jesus is real and he really will lead us in paths of righteousness. Listen, rather than worrying about your future, like spend time with Jesus, hear his voice and do what he says to do and he will lead you. With, with, with school, with work, we're trying to like pull, pull something off. Like, man, you have the Lord. So are you spending time with the Lord? Listen, here's a huge one for me. Man, I need this much sleep and this much exercise so that I can like make it through my day. And so I'm gonna like get a few extra. I'm so tempted to like sleep in so that I have enough strength to face my day. And the Lord's like, I, I wanna sustain you. Like you can get up early and sacrifice some sleep because I am far better at sustaining you than like another half an hour of sleep. Like we have Jesus with us and in us. And then John, he, he reinforces this idea of like, remember Jesus, not, not your strength. And we're gonna finish with these two tiny little stories. He finishes verse 15. It says this, um, verse 15, perceiving then they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Okay, Jesus just pulled off his best miracle probably yet. It's like law of science. He just broke the laws of science. He just made a lot of bread out of nothing. And people were so amazed. They're like, let's make him king right now. And what does Jesus do? He left popularity and fame and the opportunity to make himself great in an earthly way. And he goes to be with his father. Jesus wasn't out to be noticed by people for popularity. He wasn't gonna like take what was being offered him. He didn't come to be like successful in the eyes of the world. Rather, he's like, I just want to go be with my father. Like that's enough. And to go be with my father and to sit with him is far more important than like these people making me king. Like imagine if a giant crowd of people came and were like, hey, will you rule over us? And you're like, honestly, I just would rather go spend time with my father. 
Like that's what Jesus does. And what he is showing us is to be with his father is more than enough for him. Like I have all this opportunity and these awesome things like strength and glory. I don't need that. Like I would rather go be with my father. And then this last story, he shows us one more time. Listen, don't look to human popularity and strength and ability. Look to me. Verse 16, it says this. When evening came, his disciples went down to sea, got into the boat, started across the sea to to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, which is honestly insane, if you've ever been in a boat rowing against wind, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. And they were frightened, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And listen, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Just I, like picture that, like they're just rowing. Oh my gosh, Jesus, he gets in the boat and like you're there, they're there. What, what just happened here? Now, like, it's cool because this story is told in all the other gospels. It's when Peter jumps out and walks on the waves and all of that. But John intentionally didn't want us to notice those things. He doesn't include those details. He wanted us to notice one specific thing, that Jesus is enough for them in this moment. They're overwhelmed. There's this storm. They're rowing with their own strength, trying to pull it off. But the moment they were with Jesus, like, they were at the shore. Supernaturally, doesn't make sense. And we, maybe you're like, man, I'm just in this season and it feels like a storm. Like my emotions or my circumstances or my walk with Jesus, it feels chaotic. And like, I'm just trying to survive. I'm trying to like fight and just pull it off. Listen, what, what you need is to be with Jesus. The strength of Jesus. Like, Jesus, like, please just get in my boat and be with me. Not to, like, lean on ourself and pull it off. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Listen, if, if walking with Jesus right now is just feeling like labor and you're, like, heavy, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. If fighting temptation right now feels like labor and you're just like heavy with it if like maybe it's depression maybe it's mental illness maybe it's like this old thing this old sin that's like constantly like hey come back to me and it feels heavy jesus simply says come to me come be with me take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls so here's the truth uh, in, in love. We're just like Philip. We're just like these disciples. We, we can't pull it off on our own. Like, like you are not enough to pull it off. In addition to like, I'm not enough to pull it off. Like we have all actually not only not pulled it off, we have actually all sinned against Jesus. And we've actually not only not pulled it off, we've like willfully in different areas of our lives, even this week, like, no, I'm gonna trust in my strength and my wisdom and I'm gonna take what, what I want. And so we need another who's enough. You need Jesus, who's not just enough to get you through. Like, he's, his blood is enough to forgive you for leaning on your own strength. His blood is enough for this last week 
in the last year, in your last entire life of sinning against him. And then Jesus is, verse 11, I love it. It says, they ate as much as they wanted. When you come to Jesus, you will find rest for your soul. There'll be more than enough for you when you come to Jesus. When you truly come to him, his blood is more than enough for all your guilt and sin and shame. And he's more than enough to satisfy your soul, to be better than temptation. And he's more than enough to actually sustain you and be your rock and your refuge when everything else is all over the place. And so here's what we're gonna do. As we uh, move to worship, we're gonna do a couple of things. Um, I, would, I would love for us to be intentional and like pray with one another and for one another. I, listen, we're all humans in this room and nobody's Jesus in this room. Only Jesus is Jesus in this room. And so we all have areas, maybe it's a storm, maybe it's a sin, maybe it's a temptation, maybe it's just pride. Like, I just wanna pull it off. Like, I got this. And let's be honest with whoever's around us and like confess that, like, okay, I'm trying to pull it off right here. And then let's remind one another, like, man, Jesus loves you and he's enough and his blood is enough. And we're gonna have uh, some people over here who if you don't, maybe you don't have a friend or you don't want to share with a friend, that's okay. Um, Some people who can pray for you and counsel you. And then together, we're gonna just look to Jesus and like sit at his feet together and say, Jesus, I need you in my boat. I need you right now. You are more than enough. So Jesus, right now we... We humble ourselves. We come before you. We say like, man, I'm not the savior of the world. I'm not, I can't pull this off. And, and in fact, I've, I've sinned against you and I've trusted my own strength and abilities and chosen my own ways. And, but thank you that Jesus, you love us and you came for us. You came to go to the cross for us, to forgive us of our sins. You came to to show us that you are more than enough to satisfy us. Jesus, you show us that you alone are the rock that which which we stand on. Jesus, would your spirit convict us in love of any area, any way in which we think like we got it, like I can pull this off, like I'm fine, I'm good. And would you in love lead us to someone better and something better than ourselves as we're trying to walk with you. Jesus, teach us to rise with you and to spend time at your feet. As we leave, Jesus, would this, would this not just be like the crowd, like, oh, cool, thanks for that little bite nugget and I'm, and I'm good, and, and then leave not walking with you, Jesus. And I pray, pray for real fruit that we would hear your word and apply it where we're trying to trust in ourselves. And Jesus, I do just pray for whoever is feeling like they're in a storm. Jesus, would you just in love, just like get in their boat tonight? Like, hey, I'm here. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. The King of Kings. I can walk on this storm. I'm not intimidated. I don't, I'm not limited by all this craziness. Like, I'm here. Take heart. And then would we just enjoy you and worship you together, Jesus? that you may be glorified 